Sam was just a newborn when we first met him, 137 verses ago. That seems too quick for him to grow up, but he is an old man now. And his two sons followed in the family business, but they loved money and power more than they loved God. Israel knew their righteous leader was not long for this world. They knocked on Samuel's door and had the talk with him. Listen, Rev, we love you. You've only been good for us, but we need to talk. You've gotten pretty gray these last few years. I mean, not that we're really paying attention. I mean, I mean, we always pay attention whenever you preach. Hey, hey, let me try. <laughs> what he's trying to say, Samuel, you've been our leader for years. I mean, <laughs> many, 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 many years. I mean, you've led us longer than I've been alive. <laughs> Guys, just say it already. Samuel, you're old. Your sons are wicked. They're nothing like you, and we want a king when you're gone. There. Guys, was that really too hard? Samuel winced at the thought that his sons didn't share his sincere love for God. They were filling their pockets by emptying the Israelites' pockets through bribes. Their shelves were lined with ill-gotten gains. They convicted the innocent and acquitted the guilty. Justice went to the highest bidder. Israel's elders asked Samuel to ask God to give them a king like the neighboring nations. Their king wore a king's robe and a king's crown as he sat high and lifted up on a king's throne inside a king's palace and made a king's ransom. Soon, Israel would be led by a man, not by God. That transition was just a matter of time. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to El Jahiri, and you are listening to Give Us a King on Simplify. God read the fine print on the king's owner's manual. If they brought a shiny new king home, he will draft their sons to be his soldiers and to harvest his fields and to forge his weapons. And he will draft their daughters to be his cooks and bakers and perfumers. And he will pillage their fields for his higher-ups and he will steal the best of their livestock, leaving them in slavery trying to eke out a living with less than little. A tangible hush fell over the once clamoring crowd, but they looked around the circle at one another. Even after hearing the fine print, they nodded together and broke the silence. Okay, that's fine. We still want a king. They're about to lose it all, and they didn't even care. All they could say was, give us a king. The search for their first king was on, and it led to the house of a man named Kish, who had a son named Saul. But on this day, Kish wasn't thinking about what he had. He was only thinking about what he had lost. His donkey said straight away he could not find them. He called on his prized son, Saul. Saul was head and shoulders taller than everyone else. He could see the highest, the farthest. He would find the missing mules the fastest. So Saul and his servant went on a search and rescue mission. They searched all over, but they just could not find where those burrows were burrowed away. Saul's dad didn't have a subscription to Life360 to know where his son Saul was. But Saul knew his dad would start to worry more about Saul than the donkeys. And the servant had a bright idea. Hey, a man of God lives in this town. If anybody knows where your dad's donkeys are, he will. Let's go find him. Let's go ask him. Let's go find the donkeys. Let's go home. That man of God was Samuel. Saul asked around, and soon enough, Samuel met Saul. God spoke to Samuel. You've just met the man I've been telling you about. 
you've just met Israel's first king. Saul had never seen Samuel. Samuel had never seen Saul. Saul asked, Excuse me, sir, I'm looking for the man of God. Well, you found him. And I'm not the only one you've been looking for. Good news, son, your dad found the donkeys. Well, that is good news. And you and your family are the hope of all of Israel. That was unexpected news. Something supernatural happened inside of Saul. God gave him a new heart. Not one with atria and ventricles that would pump blood throughout the body. He already had one of those, and it was good. God gave Saul a heart that would serve God as he led God's people. If Saul was going to lead God's people, God would give him the best possible chance to lead them right. Saul already knew he was called to be king, but he was the only one. Saul didn't tell a soul. Samuel gathered all Israel together. Today was coronation day. Samuel gave them one more chance to repent and relent. And all they could say was, give us a king. But God brought you out of Egypt. Give us a king. God brought you to this land. Give us a king. God rescued you and saved your lives, but you have rejected God, and all you can cry is, give us a king. Well, God is about to give you what you ask for. He's about to give you a king. They cheered. He cried. He lined up all 12 tribes of Israel, and he cast lots. The lot fell on the tribe of Benjamin. That narrowed the field down from 12 to 1. Then the family of the Matrites. Every other disappointed king could have been sat down. Then the family of Kish. Then finally Saul. Congratulations, Israel, your first king. Congratulations, King Saul. Saul? Saul? Your Majesty? Has anybody seen the king? Nobody could find the soon-to-be-crowned king, but God knew where he was. God told Samuel Saul was hiding in the luggage. Saul had somehow stuffed himself in the overhead bin. But they found him, brought him out, and they crowned Saul, son of Kish, as King Saul, king of Israel. One month later, the Ammonite king Nahash was breathing down Israel's neck. He was wanting to test the mettle of Israel's rookie king. And Saul led an army of over 300,000 soldiers from Israel and Judah against the Ammonites. And Israel beat Ammon so badly you couldn't find a pair of Ammonite soldiers still standing. So far, Saul's record as king was 1-0. and oh. So far, so good. But before Samuel drew his final breath, he slowly stepped back to the pulpit and preached one more message. He reminded Israel that God brought them out, not Saul. No man could open the Red Sea for them and shut it on Egypt. No man could fell Jericho's double redoubtable high thick walls. And just to show them God was serious about leading them, Samuel prophesied God would do something he'd never done before. God would send rain in the dry season. Samuel prayed, the sky thundered, the clouds burst, and the people repented, but it was too late. They had their king and no receipt. But God still gave them a glimmer of hope. If you won't turn your back on God, he won't turn your back on you and your king. Even with their starry-eyed jealousy of all the other nations around them, God was still merciful to them. If only they realized they weren't like all the other nations around them. They were called to be a brilliantly blinding light to show all the other nations around them this is what happens. These are the blessings for a nation whose God is the Lord. 
Here was Samuel's altar call, and it is ours. Even though we have made a mess of our lives and asked for so much we don't need and should not even want, Samuel called Israel to remember what God had done for them. We need to do the same. And fear the Lord. We need to do the same. Not be afraid of Him or hide from Him or run from Him, but be in awe of Him, revere Him, fear Him. The fear of the Lord is not the same as the fear of lightning. If you're standing in the middle of a wide-open field in the middle of a summer storm and lightning strikes, run for your life. But the fear of the Lord is different. The fear of the Lord doesn't cause us to run from God. The fear of the Lord urges us to run from sin and run toward God where we are safe. And Samuel closed his final message with these final words, faithfully serve God. We need to do the same. We are not like everyone else. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We have been forgiven of our sins when we repented of our sins. We have been called by his name when we were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We have been filled with his Holy Spirit. And we are called to be a brilliantly blinding light to the world around us that this is what happens for people whose God is the Lord. Let's learn from Israel's first king. We really just need God. But if we turn to anyone or anything besides God, let's learn from Samuel's last message. Let's repent, fear God, faithfully serve Him, and live as the people whose God is the Lord. I'd like to pray and ask the Lord to help us. I know we ask for things, and perhaps we should, and perhaps we shouldn't. It depends on what we're asking for. If it draws us away from God, we shouldn't ask for it. But if it draws us toward God, we absolutely should. So let's pray for the Lord to help us to ask for what pleases and honors and glorifies Him and draws us closer to Him. And if we've made a mess of our lives and asked for things that we ought not, that we would repent and ask God to forgive us because we could ask for that. And God in His mercy and grace will gladly forgive. Lord Jesus, we come to you today. I don't know all the time what I should ask for, but I call on you and I ask you to help me to know what to ask for. If anything draws us away from you, anything pushes us further from you, God, if anything gets in the way of us and you, please forgive us, wash over us, cleanse us, Lord. Help us to learn from this story. Help us, Jesus, to want what only you want, and really, that's just you, a relationship with you, to be close to you, to know you, and help us, God, all the days of our lives to fear you, to be in awe of you, to revere you, to reverence you as you and you alone deserve. I ask you, Lord Jesus, lead us as a people, lead us. Lead us individually, lead us corporately, lead us as a community of faith, lead us, Lord. We love you. You are the king of kings. You're the king every king will bow to. And today, we worship you, want to fear you, faithfully serve you. In the precious name of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thank you, Simplify listeners, for all of you who said hello at General Conference in Indianapolis. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to meet so many who listen to Simplify, enjoy Simplify, and I hope this episode and all episodes really have been a blessing to you. Speaking of the fear of the Lord, if you were at General Conference or even if you were not, 
You've got to hear a must-hear message from Adam Shaw from Hamilton, Ontario. He preached on Friday morning, Friday afternoon, How to Be Afraid, and it was a message about the fear of the Lord. I hesitate to use the word masterpiece only because I don't want to take away from the Lord, but the message itself was a masterpiece in the way Brother Shaw delivered it. It was powerful, beautiful, and clearly a word from God. Listen to How to Be Afraid on the UPCI YouTube channel. Just simply search UPCI and you'll find it on YouTube and then go to the live videos. You'll see General Conference Youth Ministries Service. It was all about the fear of the Lord and it was forever more powerful. I believe they're also on the UPCI's Facebook page and are on Discipleship Now, which is a fantastic collection of messages, lessons, original video series. It's kind of like a Netflix for Christians, but everything on there is good and godly and will feed your soul and bless you. You can find those general conference messages, and that one in particular, on Discipleship Now. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share. Again, thank you to everybody who said hello and let me know that Simplify has been a part of your discipleship and your devotional life. And I'm so glad, so glad you're part of the Simplify listening family. Next week, I want to finish Saul's story and share with you an episode called Strong Start, Weak Finish. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.